With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanokas. It was qualifying day at Formula One's returning Turkish Grand Prix today, where rain caused chaos and combined with the low grip new track surface to give Mercedes its first qualifying defeat of 2020. And it was Lance Stroll at Racing Point who claimed the prize of the first non-Mercedes pole of the season as he took his first F1 career pole after making a late switch to intermediates in Q3 that ultimately thwarted the previously dominant Max Verstappen, while Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas struggled to 6th and 9th. But there was controversy to follow as Stroll faced a post-qualifying investigation regarding his driving when encountering his spun teammate Sergio Perez, who qualified third having been the fastest driver on the Inters early in Q3. The stewards later deemed Stroll to have lifted off enough as he passed Perez to avoid a penalty. Joining me to discuss all of that on tonight's latest bite-sized podcast is Autosports F1 reporter Luke Smith. So Luke, my opening question to you is who was your star of qualifying? Was it Lance Stroll? Was it Sergio Perez? Or perhaps it was that dog that went for a quick run (laughs) of the track after getting on ahead of the session starting. The very happy doggo. I saw someone did a meme of like the top three graphic that FOM always do. And they had like on pole position, the safety car in second place, the track sweeper and in third place, the doggo. I, I quite like that. But yeah, what a qualifying. Like really, what a day. I think that seeing FP3 be so fast to court points and seeing the drivers like struggle to even just like accelerate in a straight line I was kind of thinking oh it's going to be a bit naff and a bit rubbish but as the day went on it got better and better and then yeah produced a real stunning Q3 and to see Lance Stroll taking pole position I think that it's just adding to this crazy narrative through F1 in 2020 like there's so many curveballs and I think this is another one that nobody could have seen coming. 
It certainly is. I mean, what's what's really surprising about this one is how badly Mercedes are doing. Because we saw in the wet qualifying at the Styrian Grand Prix that Ham- Lewis Hamilton was on another level. I mean, he was an excellent lap he drove there. I mean, today, I'm sure he, he, you know, he said, I didn't make any mistakes in my lap. That's just the fastest it could go because the W11, Mercedes are just not able to switch the tyres on. And there's something, there's really something that some teams have clicked with and some teams haven't. So Dave Robson uh, at Williams was explaining tonight that basically the Alfa Romeo cars, which did excellently well to both reach Q3 for the first time in 2020 with Raikkonen and, and Giovinazzi, basically that car isn't much better than the Williams in terms of downforce levels. And yet, Williams couldn't get out of Q1 and Alfa Romeo made Q3. So there's something that some teams are doing to get heat into their tyres. It could be, I sort of chatted this for a little bit with Jake boxall Leg, our, our technical editor, about, you know, what what could it be that they're missing? And we sort of, we, you know, it's, it's, it's too, it'd be too speculative to suggest that this is definitely what's happening. But it could well be that the less stiff cars are simply able to just flex that little bit more. And there's that little bit more energy moving around. You know, there's there's also some suggestions that the Ferrari look good in practice because it's harder on its tyres so it can warm them up better and keep the heat in those tyres. Although the sort of the wet qualifying did really put pay to that as both Ferraris eliminated in Q2. But yeah, it's it's really strange to have the discussion not be about Mercedes. They're almost almost an, an irrelevance today. They were, they were not, you know, not, neither driver in the, in the press conference after the session, not on TV all that much. It, it just looked like it was set up to be Max Verstappen taking pole. And yet ultimately Racing Point and Lance Stroll defied him. But how impressed were you with what Stroll was able to do, given that Perez had, had jumped ahead of the times, he looked like he might be the favourite to take it to Verstappen and then suddenly Stroll was able to, to match him as well? Yeah, it was superb. And I think that for all of the criticism that has put Lance Stroll's way, and particularly in recent weeks, I mean, Stroll only spoke a couple of days ago about the rough patch he's been through, uh, the crash at Mugello, the incident in Russia with Charles Leclerc that wasn't his fault, then missing a race through COVID and then having like a pretty disastrous comeback at Portimao and another difficult race at Imola. He's been through such a rough run, but he has proven in the past just how good he can be in the wet. I mean, you remember Monza in 2017, I believe it was, when he stuck his Williams on the front row in that absolutely drenched qualifying. So it proves that he's got the he's got the skills in the wet without doubt. And I think he just really hooked everything up today and that he got that sweet spot just when the track was sort of coming to the to its absolute peak really and was was able to nail his lap and yeah, he came away sort of saying like he was very happy with the lap. Despite the investigation, avoided the penalty, as I'm sure we'll discuss. And uh, that was, again, down to good management, actually, both by him and by the Racing Point team as well. And yeah, he just he just really just smashed everything today. And I think that he really deserves a lot of credit for it. And even if this is a sort of a bit of a misnomer of a qualifying session, I still think we can't take anything away from Stroll because where so many other drivers struggled and even where his teammate was looking very good, Stroll just had another level above everyone. So yeah, huge props to him today. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it was an excellent performance from Lance Stroll today. And it was it was really interesting hearing him talking about, you know, he'd been in constant communication with the team. They decided together to come in and put the Inters on. But the key thing, as has been so important all weekend, even in the dry, is keeping the temperature in the tyres on what is a really cold track. It was down to 13 degrees at one point in qualifying because it's November. Of course, it's going to happen, you know, um, as, as the day goes on and, and the evening rolls in. But he, he said, you know, yep, you just have to get on the gas, lean on the tyres and really, really try and keep the heat into the tyres because... You know, basically what's happening is they're coming out of the blankets nice and hot as they roll down the pit lane at slow speed. If the drivers aren't getting on it, they'll lose the tyre temperature and they'll never get it back as much as they hit the brakes, as much as they do whatever they can. 
uh, to try to try and do it. And it, it was interesting hearing some teams saying that basically the disruption in Q1 meant there just wasn't enough time to do lap after lap after lap and build the heat back up gradually. Um, so yeah, it was, it was obviously the drivers that were were able to have confidence quickly and step on it that really helped. So it was really interesting to see at one point Mercedes stacking Bottas ahead of Hamilton as they came in to put the Inters on and waiting, holding Bottas in the box, presumably to give him better track position because they did the same thing to Hamilton. It wasn't like he just ruled off as soon as his tyres had been changed when obviously that would have cost him cost him temperature. Um, but yeah, look, you mentioned the uh, the, the the penalty or, or sorry, the, the non-penalty for Stroll, but Lando Norris did pick up a penalty when it came to sort of a similar investigation about yellow flags. So um, I know you've written about this for autosport.com, which everybody can go check out after they've listened to the podcast. But can you explain why Stroll wasn't penalised and Norris was? Sure. So ultimately, in both instances, there were yellow flags waved for a car that spat ahead. In Stroll's case, it was Sergio Perez, his teammate, at turn seven. In Norris's case, in Q1, it was Nicholas Latifi and the Williams at turn eight. Now, in both reports, the stewards did recognise that the drivers lifted off and did slow down, which is obviously what you must do when a yellow flag is waved. The difference is, though, that for Stroll, it was a single-waved yellow, and for Norris, it was a double-waved yellow. So Stroll got to the site of Perez's spin. He'd been told in advance there was a yellow flag. He did lift off and uh, and coast. That was shown in the telemetry. That's something the stewards did recognise. He passed the site of Perez's spin and then accelerated again and got back up to speed. And as he came out of turn eight and was on the straight down to turn nine, his engineer came back over the radio and said, single wave yellow, you can complete the lap and you can, you can push basically. And that's because the... Appendix H of the FIA's International Sporting Code, as I've looked up, uh, states that if it is a double-waved yellow flag, a driver, if it's in practice and qualifying, they must uh, not set a meaningful lap time and they don't have to abandon a lap completely or come into the pits, but they they must sort of abandon setting a, a quick lap time. And what Norris did, because the improvements were so huge, is that even though he backed off and even though he didn't try to set a better lap time, he still did. So it was kind of a weird technicality and a loophole that he fell into, but ended up with quite a severe penalty of a five-place grid drop and three penalty points on his super license, whereas Stroll came away scot-free, basically. But in both cases, I mean, both of them, both of them acted as they should have, but it was just for Norris, unfortunately, he just fell into a little bit of a trap and and has ended up with quite a large penalty that's uh, dropped him back in the end to 16th place on the grid. Indeed, and the other McLaren driver, Carlos Sainz Jr., also penalised for getting in the way of Sergio Perez during Q1. Uh, let's let's talk about Perez just before we, we move on to discuss Max Verstappen. Um, I thought Perez was pretty annoyed to miss out on pole position. It was interesting hearing him speak in the press conference. Perez, normally quite, you know, quite relaxed, quite chilled, happy to give, you know, eloquent answers in front of the media. Not something that can be said of Lance Stroll, even when he gets his first Formula 1 pole position. Um, but yeah, Perez just really, really didn't seem happy. And I guess that's just a natural understanding reaction to missing out on a great result when your teammate got it yeah basically and I think that when we saw Perez sitting on provisional pole and I believe with about a minute ago he improved again and he was something like three seconds clear at the top so it really looked like things were going his way and that Sergio Perez would be getting his first F1 pole position and I think that like even I was kind of thinking like oh the story's going to come out saying oh such a a great shame that a driver's got pole position yet he's not got a place on the grid next year and sort of a, a bit of revisionism basically but it's um but then we did see things obviously change at the last minute and Lance take pole and Perez be left third obviously had that spin as well that I guess cost him a chance to improve in the very final stages of qualifying so that may have explained some of his disappointment but yeah ultimately the first driver you've always got to beat is your teammate and even if you 
record your, I believe, Perez's best ever F1 qualifying result and stick a racing point third on the grid, which is not really where it should be. If you're still two places behind your teammate, then you're still going to be pretty disappointed. So, uh, yeah, an interesting reaction definitely from him. Uh, but I think he can take good confidence in sort of that. He's he's the tyre whisperer, isn't he? Like He's got a good knack for getting these tyres in the right window. So I think in the race tomorrow, he'll hopefully be in good stead and he'll hope that he can definitely take the fight to his teammate. Absolutely, and it was it was really interesting uh, being in the in the Zoom call for this uh, for, the, for the latest remote press conference after the session because uh, the atmosphere obviously Stroll delighted, but just you know he's never particularly uh, you know uh, eloquent when it comes to the media because uh, such as his what he can do what he likes, of course. But Max Verstappen was absolutely livid. I mean, I think genuinely furious not to have got pole position, having topped all three practice sessions. You know, the two in the dry yesterday, the wet one this morning, and was ahead by absolutely miles in Q1 and Q2. Just did not did not like the intermediates, which was a feeling that he suspected he was going to have up because he ran them before that first red flag, before the long red flag that came out. Um, you know, when the track got really wet early on in Q1, and then uh, and then obviously there was a second one when Roman Grosjean spun off and got beached just after the restart. But yeah, he was just like I was I was worried about it. They talked about going out immediately in Q3, obviously with the Inters. Cause I think the lap times are pretty close to what the Inters would be able to do by that point at the start of Q3, and he was just wasn't confident. Went out on the wets again destroyed everyone but then got beaten by Perez uh Perez's initial effort on the inters and then Red Bull called him in he was going quicker he was going to improve P1 at that point and he just it just couldn't replicate that grip and I guess that's a that's a you know it just shows you what a fierce competitor Max Verstappen is that even in a in a year where he has no chance of winning the title again he's just furious not to have got not to have got pole position when it was there seemingly he thought for the taking yeah and there was quite a evocative picture I think after qualifying where he was pictured slumped next to some bins and sort of being consoled by I don't know if it was his physio his race engineer or whoever but uh, he really we've all been there after a tough night out of course yeah yeah sort of 4am and you think I've got to get home and where's my Uber you don't know what's going on not after you qualify second in very treacherous conditions but alas that's the life of a Formula 1 driver and I think that this ultimately was an opportunity for Max and for Red Bull and they get so few of them this season. They obviously got that at Silverstone for the 70th anniversary Grand Prix and they took full advantage of that with Verstappen taking a brilliant victory. But particularly in qualifying when Mercedes had such a huge edge, I think Verstappen would, yeah, he was just stunned that this time when Mercedes finally dropped the ball and were well off the pace, it wasn't him who could maximise that and take full advantage. And as you said, in Q1, he was absolutely rapid. He was finding like two seconds per lap at points. It it was crazy, the sort of advantages and the gains he was making. But in the end, it just just wasn't good enough come, come the closing stages of Q3. And I'm sure for the race tomorrow, he'll probably be feeling pretty good. But it's, um, yeah, just, as you say, that sort of just shows the competitor he is. And I think he made a comment in the... um, TV quotes after the race where he was like oh when you're away second and you still finish second it's quite frustrating but that's ultimately just how fine the margins were today that Stroll had that magic lap got everything together was three tenths up on Verstappen and left the Red Bull driver pretty distraught but I think come the race tomorrow I I mean you still would sort of put your money probably on that Red Bull to be better over a race distance but I think Verstappen will definitely know this was a great opportunity to get a pole position would have been his third and ultimately just left it go away. 
Let's uh, let's end the podcast loop by looking forward to the race tomorrow. I think we're in for a, a genuinely really really fascinating Grand Prix, and I think I think we, that would be the case even if it were the Mercedes starting up front, given what uh, what happened uh, today, because the the rain will have washed away what little rubber did go down in the two practice sessions, and and basically that was that was the big that was the big risk. It would reset everything to zero. They know the surface is really oily, it's really low grip, it's really cold with the hard tires. They just they can't get them working. But it was Red Bull that top sessions, as I said, with Max Verstappen. You know, <clears throat> with Max Verstappen in each in each practice session. But what was really interesting was looking at the long tire runs and how that affects things. But there's so many factors going on here because basically Pirelli say that two stops is quicker, but the teams always prefer to do one if they can. But what makes it really interesting is what tires do you start on? Because Mercedes have flagged this up. If you try and start on the mediums or the hard, unlikely. Um, but if you start on the mediums, you're really, really exposed, even more than at Portimao, even though it was raining a little bit there. And that's probably that might not necessarily happen tomorrow. Just the, the extreme surface and the cold tyres. If you start on the mediums, you're at a massive disadvantage compared to anybody on the softs. But people starting on the softs, those tyres are going to grain because that's what happened in FP1. Uh, and even with more rubber going with more rubber going down, that would be that wouldn't be such a problem. But the rubber's all gone. So the tyres are going to grain. Pirelli acknowledged that. So Basically, the quickest way on a one-stopper would be to start on the mediums and potentially go on to the hards if you can get them working. But it's going to be a real struggle to do a long stint on the softs uh, and then put the medium on. So I, whatever way you look at it, it's a fascinating race. But if we just take a quick look at the the medium tyre order in terms of the long run that I put in my feature for autosport.com last night, Ferrari actually fastest. Uh, just behind uh, was Red Bull with Mercedes in third. And Racing Point all the way down in sixth out of the uh, seven teams that did sort of try that tyre for a genuine long run. It was very hard to calculate the averages because there was so much fluctuation because the surface was so bad. So basically you would have to discount a lot of laps as anomalies, even though they were part of a driver's run, because that's just the way the, otherwise the averages have been uh, utterly all over the place. Um, so yeah, it could be a genuinely interesting race. Equally, it could be very boring and someone gets in front and runs away. Who knows what's going to happen? But... This venue, at the very least, offers the chance for drivers to get by, whereas it didn't at Imola. Yeah, which is true. And I think it is going to be... I, I mean, I'm expecting a, a similar situation to what we saw at Portimao in those early stages where everyone's basically trying to tiptoe their way around and get a feel for where the limit of the grip is and what they can actually do. And I think that just sort of surviving those early stages is going to be something. Um, Landon RSC said after qualifying that he thinks Turn 1 tomorrow is going to be an absolute mess because you're going to have drivers locking up and running wide and there's a potential sort of for crashes. And I think it'll be important for drivers to just get through Turn 1 unscathed and get through the early stages when the field is bunched together and then just basically feel their way through and see what they can do and as you say that strategy is so difficult because if you don't start on the softs then you're going to be uh, at a, a disadvantage in the early stages of the race but then you can't really go from softs to the mediums and make a one-stop work and do you use the hards and what do you do and it's i think there's so much variety and there's so much potential for mistakes and for teams to capitalize as well i mean if you're a team like williams like george russell starting at the back of the grid and with a grid penalty um, which obviously has no impact because he was last anyway it's that is like that's when you think okay we can maybe get some points in this because it's kind of the battle and I believe Dave Robson said to you about the tortoise and hare fight kind of that he doesn't know how to approach it really yeah, well, it's more the, the the fact that Williams just don't really know or the other time that, that Robson was speaking, they just don't know what strategy to go for because it could be a completely different, either the race is just completely unknown. It could be yeah. something where they're pushing throughout or it could just be like, right, take your time, look after your tyres and that's what will benefit for them. But I think Russell, they're, so they're expecting Russell to go on the attack basically and yeah. Williams looked very strong when it came to uh, the medium tyre run in practice, although Robson was, was sort of pointing out the fact that 
that was because Russell did a lot of laps, did a very, very long stint. And that helped him build tyre temperature. So Yeah, definitely. But I think there are these sort of opportunities out there for the for the smaller teams, as we've seen today with Lance Stroll taking pole position. So I think it's it's really exciting. It's really fascinating. And yeah, as much as I may have been a bit of a, a curmudgeon on uh, social media this morning, saying, oh, I want to see the drivers like pushing to the limit and probably see the limit of what these cars can do around this great circuit. I don't think we are going to see that tomorrow. I don't think we're going to get anywhere near sort of the, the lap records that we thought would be absolutely obliterated. But we are still going to get a highly entertaining and highly unpredictable race, which is uh, ultimately what we all want it certainly is it certainly is well we look forward to that happening tomorrow and we have to leave that there because this is another one of our bite Size podcasts so Luke thank you very much for coming on the podcast tonight and thanks to everybody listening along now just before we go we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out on Thursday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents as well as on the doormats of subscribers there'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday packed full of news analysis and the usual stunning photography and of course if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home visit autosport.com plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package we'll be back soon with another episode of the autosport podcast Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This year is your year, even if you also said that in 2022. And however you want to make a splash, Mother Nature can help you every step of the way with wool runner mizzles from Allbirds. Wool runner mizzles are shoes made from premium supernatural weather-repellent materials, so you can jump into this year with both feet, rain or shine. The high-top runners are made from temperature-regulating, moisture-wicking merino wool, treated with durable puddle guard technology to keep you dry and comfy. And you can take confidence strides with supernatural rubber treads that grip for all condition traction and sugarcane-based sweet foam midsoles that put a little bounce in each step. Allbirds is constantly innovating to increase the performance and longevity of their earth-friendly materials. So even on your toughest outings, you'll wear out before your shoes do. This year, make a splash without worrying about getting your feet wet with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.